to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and we're at episode number 59, and the guest this week is John Simmons, the vocalist for absolutely incredible band, Balance and Composure, who are, coincidentally, the theme music of this show. I don't even think that the band knows it. The record label knows it but the band doesn't. And for that, I apologize. But, you know, it, it, it moves some units for them. People become aware of the band because people have emailed me, be like, what is that? I don't know what music that is you're playing. So, so basically what I'm saying is Balance and Composure owes me some royalties based off that fact alone. Let's get some business out of the way, then we'll talk to John, because uh, this was a conversation that I just couldn't believe how awesome it was. More on him in a minute. Propertyofzack.com. Check it out. All the latest and greatest in news, reviews, photos, anything you could possibly want about independent music, you'll find there. Check it out. I love them. And Zach is going to be on a future episode. I recorded a show with him. It was quite an enlightening conversation. So propertyofzach.com. Visit it. Go to the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com. You will find shit that I find interesting during the week whether it's movies, music, other random stuff that, you know, I feel like you should be exposed to. So go there and you'll be able to find out fun stuff, time killers. Uh, And then also, if you're feeling ever so gracious, you can go to iTunes, drop us a review, whether that's the simple one out of five star review, or if you want to get a little more in depth, you can write a few sentences about the show. I really, I just want, we're so close to getting 100 reviews on the United States store, and I can't wait for that. If you haven't done it yet, now is the time. Anytime I say now is the time, I feel like I'm going to break into a hate breed lyric, but I'm not going to for the time being. Maybe later. So do those two things. Your life will be that much better because of it. We're one train of thought that I wanted to... Uh, kind of mentioned just because it's something I don't know why that's been sticking in my head recently as something that I just haven't seen done in either a long time, probably for good reason. So my old band Taken was on tour with a band called Alexis on Fire, who are no longer existing, but were quite a massive band in Canada. It was always so funny for me to hear the stories from those guys being like, we play like hockey arenas. And it was just such a mind-blowing thing. And granted, this was when we toured with them in 2002, maybe. This was like, I think their second United States tour. The shows were solid. Like, you know, we'd play anywhere between 150 to 300 kids a show, which was absolutely incredible at the time. And I remember one show that we played in Arizona, for whatever reason, like the show was good, but we felt like we wanted to do a split set. Like, that is an enjoyable thing for people who are attending the show to experience. We all use the same equipment, and basically what we did is Taken played a song, and then Alexis on Fire played a song. And, like, we legitimately tagged each other out, like, as we left the stage. And it's probably good that I haven't seen this, because if I were to flip myself, and if I were to experience that, and maybe say I just liked one of those bands, say maybe I'm, like, a huge Alexis on Fire fan, kills the momentum, it kind of kills the feeling of, like, being able to watch a band play an entire set, rather than you're going to watch a band play probably just as many songs, but still, split set. We thought it was fucking hilarious, and we had a lot of fun with it personally. Um, You know, I think that's the type of stuff that you witness when you are at a show that maybe isn't that good as far as attendance is concerned. I definitely remember one show, Ohio somewhere. Maybe there was like 40 people there. All of the bands decided to play with all the kids on stage because for whatever reason the stage that we played was was pretty big so we're like okay rather than playing to like a completely empty room let's play with everybody on the stage and have it be like a packed house show or something all the bands had so much fun and it was awesome i love those sort of spontaneous things where it's like okay we're gonna make the best of this situation and we're going to have a shitload of fun doing it we want to make the people that did show up to the show have this truly unique experience because that way they're gonna go home and be like Dude, that shit was awesome. Because, I mean, you know, when those spontaneous things happen at shows, you'll never forget them. You will always either cherish that, hate that. It will have made an impact on you. Those are things I've been thinking about recently in regards to just like, you know, live events and making an impact and having it stick in your brain. Because after all, that's what we crave when we go to shows, when we go to entertainment type events. 
We want to have those singular experiences because nothing is more, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'd say sad, but when you do make the realization when you're, you know, however old that the show that was put on in San Francisco the night before could almost be the exact same thing as what it was when you see them in Los Angeles, Orange County or San Diego or whatever. Um, and I just remember once I started to watch bands and travel with bands on tours to see kind of the same show get put on night after night. And not like that's necessarily a bad thing because not all people are traveling with the band, watching them multiple nights in a row. But when you do have that sort of unique experience of a particular show, it's like, that is what I'm talking about. That is incredible. So seek that out, bands and or people creating music. Make that experience. You don't have to do that every show. That's not conducive to every single environment. But, you know, try to make an impact on whoever it is that you're playing to, no matter what the size of the crowd is. Anyways, John Simmons from Balancing Composure. I've wanted him on the show for quite some time, not only because Balancing Composure is probably one of my favorite bands around right now that is quote-unquote new, even though they've been at it for, I don't know, five, six years or so. Um, They're just absolutely incredible. And John... He's always been a really nice guy to me. We've had some interactions in the past, but I've always felt that I wanted to know that much more about him because I felt like, you know, he's kind of a reluctant front man. I wanted him on. I was really excited about it. Without further ado, here's our conversation. bands and just you know your own musical output and i i mean my first experience was your your very very first ep and i know you'll probably apologize for that but it's okay <laughs> it was one of those things i don't really, totally downloaded on a whim i think it was maybe just because i heard the band's name starting to bubble up not to mention i was just i was a fan of the fact that you were from doylestown and you're representing it i've been to that area my old band taken toured with this day forward all the time and so i, I spent the night very lucky Yes, they're just they forward amazing. Such a good band. And so like when all those dudes relocated Doylestown and but actually Nick who plays in Circa, him and him and I play together in Taken. So that's that connection too. Oh. Yes. Yes. Awesome. There you go. But so anyways, you combine all those things. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to check out this Balance of Composure band. And then I, I remember seeing the artwork and I was like, that's probably some of the worst cover art I've ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, it's perfect for a band's first release, obviously. And so, and of course, yeah. with all that being said, I was like, this artwork looks terrible. I don't know how this music could be good. But then I remember listening to it and I was like, yo, this is pretty good. Like for what, you know, a band's first release, I was like, okay, I'm interested to see where they're going to go from here. And then obviously subsequent releases, I kind of got painted a, you know, clearer picture. But yeah. So that was my first uh, intro. And I'm sure, I'm sure that's obviously why you guys keep the uh, first EP <laughs> You know, very uh, under wraps, where it's like, oh, that was that was us being kids. What first EP? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, no, que- no questions about that, please. <laughs> do do people still bring it up pretty regularly? Um, not as much anymore, but yeah, we still we still get some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like, I, what's funny is we played alone for now on, on some shows because like people didn't tell us to play that for years. It's like the right. main song. We're like, what songs do you want to hear? Everyone's like, alone. And I'm like, really? So we started playing it like at the beginning of the tour, and people weren't even that psyched. So we we're like, okay, we're not going to play this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, this is our headlining tour. We're going to go deep in the archive, and no one's responding. <clears throat> no one's responding. That's like the only song we'd play off that record. But, and like, <laughs> we were playing, playing it. I'm like, people are bored. I'm bored. Right. It's not a song I like, want to sing ever again. Anytime you can actually, I don't know if this happens to you often, but I mean, it's like anytime I actually could like comprehend a thought on stage, that means something's wrong. If I could actually be like, oh, wow, I can hear myself. That must mean it's a really good sound system. So if you were thinking, this is boring, <laughs> it must have been really, really boring. Yeah, I thought so. You tried. Yeah, we did. We just, uh, we're kind of glad that we're like, not really feeling it. Cause it threw my voice out too. It was just, it was just a nightmare of a song for me. Well, there, there you go. Now you can be like, all right, we did it. Now no one will ever ask us about it again. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. So you, you yourself, were you born and raised in the Doylestown area, or where did you, uh, where did you come up as a little child? Well, I was born in um, Knoxville, Tennessee, and I lived. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I lived there for eight years, and we moved to 
Jamison, uh, PA, which is right near Lowestown. Pretty much is Lowestown. So, yeah, okay. and I've been there ever since. And, well, I, don't know, I live like a half an hour away from it now. But. What was your family structure like? You know, did, Were your mom and dad there? Was, did you have any brothers and sisters? or uh, And what prompted the move from Nashville? My dad's job was the move. Okay. What did he do? He's a vice president for like nuclear plant. Like they build nuclear plants. Oh, that's no, that's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, see, it's funny because like. I guess I've never really thought about it. That is a pretty big deal. I, well, I mean, because you're used to it. It's your existence. And like I say, like my, my stepfather, he's a veterinarian. And anytime I bring that up, people are like, oh, that's rad. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is cool. Like he saves animals and stuff. No, that's much more rad than <laughs> vice president. I, I don't really know much about his job, though. Yeah. But um, I just know it, he had to travel a lot. So I was basically living with my mom and my three sisters. I got three older sisters who are like eight or nine years older than me. Oh, wow. So you were the... Yeah, I'm the baby. So you were the accident of the family, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, maybe maybe I'll put it more... Uh, maybe I'll put it more like you were a gift. You were a present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, it's still to be determined. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So you were, uh, I mean, by that time, you were kind of on your own because, I mean, on your own in the sense of you didn't really have your sisters kind of wanting to hang out with you as you were growing up and stuff because they were already on to yeah. different things. Yeah, very true. And so, very true. Like they were graduating, about to graduate high school and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they were just getting ready for college and stuff. So it was basically me and my mom after they went to college and stuff. And did your, uh, did your mom, did your mom work or is she just busy raising all of you people? <laughs> Oh, no, she, she she worked when she moved here. She wanted to work. Okay. Yeah, so I've been... My dad lived there for a while, and then they got divorced. Oh, okay. So you, um, When I was, like, 12. Oh, okay. So shortly after the move, that's when your, your parents kind of separated? Yeah. I never saw my dad that much, so, like, I just felt bad for my mom more. You, you sound like a... Uh, and I don't use this in a derogative sense of the term, because I myself am one where you're a total mama, mama's boy. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah, I kind of helped her through the whole process, like, every night. Just being there for her, she was a wreck for a while. And sure. Killed me to see her like that. Yeah. So my mama, you know? Of course, and I'm sure because of that, you were just, like, completely uh, pissed off at your dad, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have a relationship with him now, or is he basically just kind of out, out of your life? We're always trying to have a relationship. Well, now that I'm older, I feel like I want I want some memories of my dad, even though, like, I hated, hated him for his eight or nine years sure. of my life. And um, I don't know, I'm just like, I see him maybe once a year. Um, he has a new family and stuff now. So you just kind of, you just kind of do check-ins occasionally and just like, Hey dad. Yeah. We, we stay at their place. Um, we're like touring and stuff. If like in the area, we'll swing by and stay like his family is really cool. Mm -hmm. They're from the Philippines. Um, we brought them over here. Oh. They're really cool people. Yeah. It's just, it sucks to see him try and like, uh, he's just like, he gets a redo of being a dad. And, and meanwhile, Hey, Hey, where were you for me? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, Oh, cool. Cause he's got a teenage son now. He's a great guy, but I don't know. It just sucks to see him raising another kid. I'm like, you didn't teach me anything that he knows. You didn't do any of the things that you're supposed to do for a son. I, yeah. No, I, tell, I I can empathize with you. Cause my, my parents were divorced when I was, I mean, I was really young. I was like, you know, four years old, but there are definitely moments where it's like, I mean, I'm 32 years old now and li I literally learned how to shave fucking six like yeah. like six years ago like i had no idea how to do that you just there's certain shit you just miss <laughs> oh yeah i didn't mow a lawn until like two years ago Wait, i mowed my first lawn <laughs> and that's like i didn't know how yeah i don't know how yeah and that's like a huge thing on the east coast <laughs> i know it's a it's a big deal over here yeah you gotta buy your right right on mower and everything like that yeah i learned how to tie my tie on youtube Oh, I still do that. It's okay. Actually, well, the the last wedding I went to a few weeks ago was the first time I tied a tie that I didn't have to look at the video. And I literally felt like I reached some milestone. Like, I, I just was like, okay. Well. No, no. It, it was a great night. Was, I was just knowing I could do it now. I'm like, I practiced yeah. for like an hour afterwards. I'm like, this is fun. I got it. Yeah. You're like, screw you, dad. <laughs> exactly. I have the internet. <laughs> Uh, the internet will raise me. <laughs> exactly. Thank, thankfully, we have that now. So, yeah, obviously, in the kind of the midst of the divorce, that was when you started to, um, you know, start to go into junior high and high school and stuff like that. And so, what kind of kid did you find yourself being? Were you, uh, you know, were you into music at the time, or were you just kind of, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been into music forever. Um, but like when I was 
going into seventh grade, I wanted to start a band. So I started my first uh, first band when I was like 13. I was really into like Reliant K, MXPX, like Christian Christian punk. Interesting. How did that? Slick, how did that, slick shoes. Oh, slick shoes. That's a huge. Uh, that's a great reference because that was total SoCal Christian punk at its finest. Dude, that was my jam. Um, so I was obsessed with those bands. I started this Christian punk band with some friends. We all kind of just started learning instruments when we were playing the band. Mm-hmm. We're called the, we were called the Hasbins. Oh, dude, that's a great name. That's perfect for that genre. So punk. So punk. <laughs> because you were involved in the sort of Christian punk scene, like, did you, were you raised with the faith and everything like that? Yeah, I was really religious um, until, i say, sophomore year. No, maybe junior year. Okay. I was really hardcore. Yeah, me, me and Andy played in the church band. Oh, wow. We led worship, man. And um, was it Chris, w- yeah. Was it Christianity or was it uh, another sect of that? Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was just like non-denominational Christian. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I definitely did the whole uh, the whole Lutheran thing for a while. Because uh, that's I just yeah I just went to private schools mostly not just because my parents were overly religious but mostly because just smaller class sizes like my mom was a teacher so she understands that if you're not competing with like 50 other kids my kid's gonna get better attention you know but yeah i definitely felt the pull of like oh okay this is interesting for lack of a better term i still call myself religious i hate the term spiritual because that makes you sound like no no yeah that's that's a common phrase yeah over it in my in my household oh that's cool yeah I just feel so yeah. I feel so hippie when I say that though. <laughs> no, it's cool. I think it's cool. It's like the one thing you can get away with saying. Yeah. That's not hippie. You're good. I'm, I'm glad we bonded over that. <laughs> <laughs> I can obviously see why that uh, that style of music appealed to you because it was like, oh, okay, this is like a message that I can identify with, coupled with music. That's interesting. Yeah. Christian Christian hardcore was like you know bands like Focal. Yeah. Fol- Stretch Armstrong. Oh yeah, Strong Arm. Whew, huge. Yep. I've... Yeah, I was so into the scene. I mean, I listen to everything else. I listen to everything, mm-hmm. but uh, that was like my stuff. Right. Because I wanted to, I wanted to get a message out when I was younger. Did you about God? Right. <laughs> <laughs> did you Did you ever buy CDs at a Christian bookstore or anything like that? Yeah, my first CD I ever bought was Teenage Politics MXPX when I was six in Tennessee. You were six years. Oh wow, that's insane. The cover looked so awesome. Right. So I got it. <laughs> did you just go up to your mom and were like? I'd like this. Yeah. That's incredible. And she was cool with it. She was cool with it. And, um, cause like, and I, and I, I was in the skateboarding and stuff at the time when I was really young too. Wow. So I love this act. Like I opened the cover, like went through the, like the coolest collages, picture collages of, uh, I'm skating and stuff. So I fell in love with like the whole, the whole band and like, I don't know, skateboarding and. Interesting. It, that's so funny that, yeah. that you were exposed like at six, you looked at that and were like, that's cool. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. I mean, I liked Will Smith and stuff too back then. Well, who who didn't at the time? It was yeah, Montel Jordan. Yeah, yeah, R. Kelly. I believe I can fly. I was a huge fan of that one. That's good. Yeah, you were you were yeah, yeah. you were well rounded, obviously. Yeah, I, I appreciated the hook. <laughs> That's I, I like that. That translates very much with what you're doing now. So obviously, by high school, you had already, like you said, you know, you started your first band from an early age. You knew you wanted to play in a band. Yeah, it's just something I always loved to do. That's like the it was like my high. Mm-hmm. It was like the thing I could do because I hated school. You know, I don't know. It was just like the one like outlet, I guess, for me. Sure. By hating school, I presume you mean you just went to school, but you obviously didn't uh, quote unquote apply yourself as many teachers would yeah. would like them to do. <laughs> yeah, I didn't apply actually one ounce myself. I barely got to school senior year. I was never there. <laughs> <laughs> but you you graduated high school. Yeah, I don't know how I graduated. <laughs> My last semester, I was absent like 12 times, uh-huh. and I had like 46 parties, and I had like four notes for them. So I don't, I shouldn't have graduated, but I did. That's a, that's impressive. Yeah, that's the that's the one thing I always find funny. Like when when you do, <laughs> I'm inspiring. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> You're like, this is how much I can get away with and still graduate high school. So, and that's that's the one thing that always blows my mind. Anytime I meet somebody who like didn't graduate high school. You know, like they they went, but they didn't graduate. And I'm like, what did you do? Because like legitimately, it's really hard to not graduate high school unless you just don't stop showing up. I get that. You know, you got to do a lot in order to be like, all right, you're not passing. Seriously, they don't they don't want to hold anyone back. No, they just want to get you out. Graduating. Yeah, they want to get you out of there. Yeah. Um, the first the first band that you were doing, like you actually legitimately played shows, or did you just kind of play church parties and sleep ins and stuff? No, we started playing shows, and like we were like. 
we like found the hardcore scene really young at like 13. Wow. Or maybe 14. We, we, we went to like some shows like, holy shit, this is awesome. And so we like asked if we could start playing shows with them and they let this Christian punk band play with them. That's cool. Um, so th- yeah, it was really cool. So they kind of... And they loved it. They sang along and everything. They're like atheists, you know, like known atheists and like, I don't know, that was cool. For a young kid, I was complete acceptance. It was really, really cool. Right, right. It could have gone the whole other way where you start to try to play shows and people, because of your message or whatever, but or just the fact that you were probably a terrible band, they were like, no, 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 you're not, you're not going to play these shows. Yeah, we were not good. We were not good. But they let us play. They put us on every show. I was happy, like every weekend. That is great. And that's that's obviously speaks to the, the inclusive nature, we hope, the inclusive nature of, you know, independent, like, punk and hardcore, because that's, you know. Exactly. So I'm thankful I found that whole scene um, throughout, like, my teenage years. That was, like, so important to me. Yeah. You know? So as you, as you started to navigate that, how did your, uh, more particularly your mom, react to that? Did they have, were they? My mom loved the has-beens. Really? But... Big fan. She loved the Haslands because we were Christian and we're like doing our thing through Jesus, uh-huh. you know. But then, you know, I was a teenager too. So like I started being a teenager and uh, um, <laughs> started a band, the Election Kids in high school. Oh, so this, the Election Kids was after that? And when you, and you're, you're, you're a little, you're, you're a little cagey there. So when you mean being a teenager, basically you're just being like a little shit and partying or what were you, what were you getting into that your mom? I wasn't partying yet. I wasn't partying yet then. Okay. This is in, like, 10th grade. I'm, like, I don't know. I was just, like, into girls, and, like, my friends would do, like, stupid shit in town. And, you know, like... Pranks and stuff. I'd be goof off. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Sure, sure. We were ass- little, little asshole kids. Right. Ge- general mis- mischievousness, <clears throat> I would I would classify that yeah. under. Sure. No- yeah. Nothing, nothing that is long-lasting, but something that is, like... No, no. <laughs> it's just, like, a teenage... Yeah. So was it, was was that more disturbing to your mom, or was it more disturbing when the fact when you? Well, I well, <laughs> I hid the band name from her for two years. I told her we were called Last One Back. Wow. Because she would she would hate the Erection Kids. Sure. And wait, are you saying any mom would? Are, are you saying are you saying the Election Kids or the Erection like a, like a penis? Ere- erection oh. penis. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Eric was also in the van. Oh my god! So. This is this is gold. I mean, this is like it's one of the it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's like it honestly kind of bums me out when I you know do these interviews and people tell me their first band is the band that they're playing in currently or you know it was a really good band name because I'm like God I don't feel like you got the full experience. Yeah, man. like you got to have a bad. I agree. You got to have a bad band name or at least a good few years of doing just terrible shit. Yeah, and so were, were the Erection Kids. Uh, of a similar vibe musically or was it completely different than it was pop punk it was like uh it was more like screeching weasel influence it was like and blink like listen to blink and no effects and oh, okay. screeching weasel and stuff got it got it and, like it was cool like we we were we were big and in, in sound like we had like a lot of fun with that band but um and then my mom heard the demo we oh we put it split out with pedal fight oh for, oh really yeah the erection kids it's out there oh man that's that's incredible. It's bad. I don't want people to find it, but no, no, I don't think they will. Yeah, but it's out there. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, my mom heard the lyrics and stuff, and heard me like cursing, cussing, and shit. Mm-hmm. So she cried. <laughs> oh, like did she like come to you and was like, John? Can't... Yeah, she cried. She like she really disappoints me, and like, oh, you know, dude, that must you know. that must have been brutal. It was. It was awkward. And then the church band found out about it. So you were basically you were, you were kind of leading a double life there for a minute. Kinda, yeah. I mean, like I, I was I was religious though. I was just like I was like a normal kid, like right. Well, you were just. I mean, I, I legitimately think that everybody has to go through that sort of phase in their life where they, you know, something they were raised with to be like, okay, is this something I truly believe, or do I believe a version of this that? you know, might not, yeah. might not, yeah. might not coexist with everybody else's belief. And so you were, so you were kind of, you were trying to navigate both of those waters without disrupting either of those worlds. Yeah. Interesting. And so then the, then the worlds were disrupted. And then ba- did you kind of, yeah, well, one of the, one of the kids in the church that we were like, who's like a little bit younger than us, we come to our erection kids shows and he told his mom and his mom told the people and the people were like, all right, well, we can't, you got to choose. I'm like, erection kids. I did that throughout high school. I got, I got kicked out of church. Straight up. Andy left right after because he couldn't do it without me, of course. <laughs> right. So they they literally said, John, you're not welcome back here? Yeah. Wow. See, that's... No, 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 not to church, but like to 
be in the band and like I just didn't want to go back ever. Right. Because I didn't want like people to people know now. Sure. And see that like I think it's out of the church, you got kicked out of the band. Right. I don't know. To to me, that type of stuff I feel I find always so I don't know in in a way disheartening because I feel like I mean obviously the message of Christianity and the teachings of Jesus is obviously like you know he's trying to be inclusive. He wants everybody to hang out with him. And then I feel like what what happened right there was like an example of obviously the complete opposite. Where it's like I understand the message you were getting across with the band didn't didn't gel with you know cool well sorry i can't have an original idea it just bums me out when i hear that stuff because it it oh yeah yeah it bummed me out as a kid too for sure but i i I understood that i couldn't like i didn't want to go to church anymore i was like at the point where i I didn't like church sure like i I was done with it right and you were you kind of just took this as an opportunity to wash your hands of it yeah exactly yeah you graduated high school and did you did you have a sense that you wanted to like do anything else besides you know play music or were you kind of did you kind of have your eyes on just no I went to community college um, to see if I wanted to be a teacher <laughs> oh really what did you want to try to teach yeah I wanted to teach like elementary school oh okay but I did a semester and a half and I I don't know I definitely didn't want to be there I wanted to tour and stuff but sure that's bounce bounce started senior year so, okay got it yeah so- I wanted to tour. And so when you uh, when you started to, you know, balance obviously started to become more of your life and you were kind of getting out there on tour. Because what, what was the first national tour you guys did? Completely national was Bayside, Census Fail, and Title Fight. Oh, okay, yeah. that's Oh, that's right. I think that's where we first met, where, where, I, interviewed yeah. you, where I interviewed you in a playground. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that was your first national tour. And so by that time, I'm sure you had, you know, you had to make that decision of whether to continue with school or whether this was something that you were just going to try to do as, as a, you know, as a profession. Yeah. I I thought that right before, right before that tour, six months before that tour. Okay. That was, I'm sure that was also a really tough discussion with your, uh, your mom or is she pretty much just like, well, he's going to do what he's going to do by this point. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, a lot of people know the band just based off of, uh, you know, separation obviously puts you guys kind of on the map and that's when really people started to be like, yo, this band's really good, and you know you started to become more active from a touring perspective. How old are you now? I'm 23. Yeah, I mean you're young. I mean I'm nine years older than you, um, but obviously we have a you know common bond. It's not like you know we have no idea what each other is saying, but the uh, <laughs> but the concept of like you know there's definitely this resurgence of quote unquote younger kids playing old dude music, but obviously it's also still translating to kids that are under the age of 25. Do you notice that as well, where it's just like, okay, like we have people that are, you know, 20, 21 years old, but then we also have people that are, you know, 30 plus that dig what we do, or is that something you just kind of, you know, that's just to add a benefit to the the music you're creating? Uh, I think it's cool. I mean, I want, I mean, everyone to listen to it and be able to like relate to it. Like old, young, I think it's cool. If everyone can do that, that's, I think that's what's cool about music. Yeah. Do you notice it? Like, do you, do you yourself notice it? Yeah. Yeah, I see old people on our shows. I see like young young kids, so it's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, all the all the cool peeps in the in the building, yeah. <laughs> all different all different ages. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just because sometimes it's like it's hard for you when you're playing in a band to separate yourself and be like, oh wow, this is interesting that we're kind of bridging sort of two gaps because you know there's like the common conception of people that play young music to only appeal to young people. Like, you know, the whole stereotype of the warp tour. If you're over the age of, you know, 25 at warp tour, you're like a grandpa. And so it's like, yeah. Yeah, cause, and obviously it's like you guys have, you guys have played within that world, but you haven't like fully dove into it. You know, um, has that also been like a, dis, you know, a kind of a collective decision of the band to be like, not to say that, oh, okay, we'll never do Warp Tour, but, like, we don't want to be fully into that world, so to speak. Yeah, well, we, were, we wanted to do it two years ago when all our friends were on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we wanted to do it, but then we thought about it. And, um, I don't know, I still think, like, we've done so much in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I love that scene, but I don't think it's, we fit into it. And I want to see, like, I want to I want to do other things, because we've been doing that for so long. Mm-hmm. I want to tour with other genres of music. Sure. Other, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously it's like, I mean, there's tons, there's tons of music at Warp Tour. So, I mean, I mean like, I don't necessarily want to be playing with like metalcore bands or. Right. Well, I mean, there's, you know what I mean? Or like bands I kind of hate, like that are playing, but there's also bands I love. Right. 
Well, there's there's a you know I mean? yeah, there's a huge difference. I mean, it's like <laughs> looking at a band like uh, you know, and this is obviously not trying to talk crap on anybody or do or knocking yeah, what they're yeah. doing, but you know, looking at a band like Miss May I, there's very little correlation between what they do versus what you do. Um, but then on the flip side, there's a band like you know, you guys have obviously toured with Dredge, and those worlds are also still pretty different. But there's more sonic similarities to what you guys are doing with them than you know, you and Miss May I. Besides, you have guitars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I don't know how a Warped Tour crowd would react to us. Mm-hmm. We're not like a lot of Warped Tour bands are like party, even party rock. Like you can like have a great time, right? Like jump up and down, mosh, and then, like people do that at our shows. That's cool, but I don't know. Like we just want to not. We, it'd be awkward. I feel like we would be like bumming everybody out. <laughs> this <laughs> summer tambourine. Right. You get well. Yeah, you guys. You guys definitely have moments where you quote unquote rock, and then there's moments where you're obviously more reflective. And yeah, sometimes those reflective songs wouldn't go over well in that context. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, not to blow too much smoke up your ass, but I definitely also think that the, uh, and I personally would attribute it to the fact that, you know, most of you dudes that are playing together in balance have played together for a decent amount of time. Because you, you, you show a level of maturity, not only like in the music that you write, but then like, you know, kind of how you are on stage too. People wouldn't immediately assume that you're under the age of 25, you know. And I don't mean a harp on the whole age thing, but it's just like, you know, I feel like I feel like you're playing music that's like, you know, obviously a little more uh, progressive than your average, you know, early 20s. Because like, I mean, I look at myself like when I was 17, 18, 19, you know, I was barely being able to write enough lyrics to fit into a four minute metalcore song, you know, and like you guys are definitely a little more, uh, you know, cohesive. So would you, would you attribute to the fact that you guys are kind of all on the same page and you have been playing together for a while? Yeah, definitely. I can't imagine writing with other four other dudes. Yeah. It just happened. It just happened to be that you guys all worked out that it's like, Oh, we get along. And yeah, we're all friends and like best friends actually. Like we hang out when we're at home. Which that it's funny that you mentioned that because that is a rarity. There are so many bands. Yeah. There's so many bands that, and I mean, and you can't fault them. Where it's like after they've toured for so long that they're like, all right, we're going to live our separate lives. But there are very few bands that, when they get home, that they feel like they can still hang out with one another. Like, and they don't need that like com- yeah. decompression time or whatever. So you guys do that, where you just are able to hang out pretty quickly after you stop tour. Yeah, I'll like I could hit up Bailey tonight. Probably be like, you want to go to the movies? Like, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. I see Andy every day. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll hang out. It definitely creates a different vibe within a band when you can really see that they are actual friends and not just kind of you know a collection of random dudes playing music. You know, it's 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 obviously what you kind of want to start a band to begin with. Yeah, like we started the vision together and we're carrying it out. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and you uh, you know because I've I've seen you guys play now a few times and watching you strike me and like no offense to me. You shouldn't take any offense to this, but you've seemed like a a reluctant front man where you're like, you were at at one point or another, you were like, well, I guess I can sing and I can play guitar and I can kind of do this. Like, but you don't seem like the person who's like, Oh dude, I fucking love being the center of attention. No, I kind of despise it. (laughs) And because of that, uh, obviously like you're forced to do things that you probably make you feel uncomfortable. How did you, how did you progressively bridge the gap to, you know, being able to do it and obviously not like loathe every second of it? I stay away from interviews and stuff. I've tried to now, except for with you because you're sweet. Well, thank you. So you, you are, you are pretty selective about putting yourself out there. Now, now I am. Cause I, during separation, I was just like hated. I don't know what people, why do people care what I have to say? You know? Right. So you, I'm like, you're like, why are you asking me these questions? Like, my my opinion is pretty irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like I, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like, I, I, I like singing. Mm-hmm. I like playing guitar and singing. It kind of sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're like, you, you enjoy this activity, but then you don't, mm-hmm. you don't particularly enjoy the, uh, you know, the byproduct of it that's sort of thrust upon you because, hey, dude, you sing for a band, so everyone wants to talk to you. Yeah, I'm like not cool. Right. Yeah, I hate it. You know, I'm not cool. And that's it. That's interesting because I I do think that the, a lot of people suffer that. I mean, a lot of people get put into that same role of like um, they enjoy the they enjoy components of being in a band, but then there's obviously certain 
byproducts of it that make them feel, yeah, like you said, uncomfortable or something that you're just like, really? Like, I don't, you know, I don't need to talk to this person again because they've already talked to me. Like, I already told them <laughs> what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Some guys try to do like a, an interview like three months after I just had one with them. I'm like, no. What other question is there? Right, right. I'm I'm excited for this tour that's coming up. Yeah, I'm excited about it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) no, it's true. I I do feel like, I mean, obviously, especially email interviews and stuff, there's such a, I mean, without being mean to anybody, it's like it's totally lazy journalism. And I I use the word yeah. I use the word journalism in quotes because it's you know I wouldn't even feel comfortable calling certain blogs that you know that's that's obviously like why I do this podcast because it's like you know it gets it kind of gets to the root of obviously why people do what they do and I think that's way more interesting than like what the fucking new song sounds like that you're releasing you know it. it that that story will come out eventually. Why yeah. why a person does what they do to me seems a little more compelling overall than just you know soundbite shit. Now that you're obviously you know in a in a pretty pretty successful band from the uh, you know outside perspective, you know how do your how does your family react to that? And then I also in another interesting component is the fact that a lot of people always assume that you know like like you said you you just came from your job and you work. Um, and a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, well, once you go on tour, like you never have to have a job again. How those two, uh, two worlds of your family understanding what you're doing. And then obviously like kids assume that, you know, you just sit at home and, you know, count your dollar bills from the last tour. (laughs) Oh my goodness. My, well, my sisters and my mom are so supportive. It hurts. It's so good. I love it. (laughs) That's great. Do they come to, do they come to shows and everything? Yeah. Um, I actually live with my sister right now. Oh, nice. Her and her husband, um, she let me live here for the past year and a half for free because I was so broke because of being on tour all the time and right. not working. So she offered I live here. So I've been doing that for the past year and a half, but I'm moving out next month. Really to live with some friends oh, and stuff. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, my sisters have been really, really cool. They're always wearing our t-shirts. <laughs> They're always like... Telling people about to download a new song or that's amazing. I don't know. So they, yeah, they're really cool. My mom texts Tumblr and Peacock. <laughs> really? I don't. I, I barely text Tumblr. My mom checks it. Like she's way more in the loop than I am, and she'll she'll just come up to me. She's like, Jonathan, this girl likes you. I'm like, mom, no, stop. holy shit, no way. That's incredible. Horrible, but um, <laughs> she's she's like John. John, I really think I could hook up a date with you through Tumblr with this girl who seems to like what you do. I'm like, mom, she's probably sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's incredible. That's it's it's very it's endearing though because obviously it just shows like that you know sense of pride that a parent has when their kid is doing something that you know they want to do. Yeah, um, yeah, that's she's really proud of me, and that's really cool. My dad doesn't really know anything, right? He's just like, oh, like, oh, cool. Here it is. I, I doubt he's even listening to the CD, but he's like, oh, cool. So do you. Yeah. Right, right, right. He's not uh, He's not as committed as your mom is to obviously who you are as a person at this point. Yeah, my mom is thrilled. Because I, I, I'm sure a lot of people project a lot of stuff on you that you find absolutely hilarious where it's like, oh, I, I must be this type of person or I must be super depressed or, you know, I don't have a job at all. Like, you know, how, what's, what's the funniest shit that you've heard people project on you that's like oh this is ridiculous there's like um some family guy like meme thing okay. and it's like who hurt who hurt you john simmons or something it's, <laughs> it's like frank's it's what I forget his name but he's sitting on the bed and uh it's got like a separation that's weird that's weird stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> sure i laughed at it i think i even posted about it but uh <laughs> i don't really like it. well yeah i mean i no matter what you sit down and decide to write lyrics for and obviously put it to paper and get it recorded and all that stuff. It's a process. And then sometimes by the time that you're done with that process, you know, your feelings may have changed on that particular subject or that person or whatever it is that you've written, but then it's out there to the world. And that's something you don't, yeah. that's something you don't understand when you're 20 or 21 years old. I write when I'm upset. Mm-hmm. I write when I got the blues, you know what I mean? Like that's what comes out of me. I, I can't write a happy song. I, I, I don't know how. Mm-hmm. You did that. I don't know how to do it. You did that when you were like thirteen or fourteen years old. Yeah, I wrote. I wrote all those. So you got it out. Yeah, you, know, you got it out of your system then. Yeah, I just I can 
right when something's wrong or something, you know? So, like, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird when people, like, keep crying or, like, I get, like, stuff, like, tweets like that and stuff. It's like, I, don't you want your music to be, have, like, emotions in it, be emotional? Mm-hmm. That cuts you. It's like you're, so, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, without sounding, you know, overly dramatic about it, it's like you're a human just as much as the next person. And sometimes the idea that you can just put something out there on the internet, I mean, you know, even people that probably tweet directly at you and it's just like, oh, fuck, really? Thanks. Like, cool. I'll just go ahead and let that roll off my back. <laughs> yeah. I won't respond. But in reality, you're like, oh man, that's kind of a bummer. Like, I wish that wasn't out there. Totally. There's, there's lots of stuff like that. Yeah. And so do you, do you find yourself looking to other people for advice? Like as far as like, you know, other bands you've toured with where you're like, dude, how do you ignore that shit? Cause it's like, you know, you look at other people and it's like, they totally get hit, no. hit way more with that. Or you just try to adjust it on your own. I just adjust it on my own. I'm like, it's whatever. It's going to happen. People are going to say, people can say anything by the computer, like whatever. <laughs> right. You got to learn. They don't, they don't know me. I like, well, what does their opinion really mean? look to ignore it i guess you know mm-hmm. on the second part of that like the conception that people probably think that you know you're you know you don't have to work and you're just you know like i said counting your merch money from the last tour and stuff like that no do, no. do yeah <laughs> do people have have that idea of you or is it one of those things that you know uh people just don't even ask you about that people don't ask me about that and that's good yeah i don't think i don't, I don't think people assume that i hope not yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I've I've told the story on this podcast before, but I remember the band Mastodon, whatever, someone from the band, even after they were signed to like, you know, Warner Brothers and theoretically, you know, didn't really have to work jobs. You know, he was working at like a bagel shop that he'd been working there for years and he wasn't going to, like he felt a commitment to that place and he enjoyed the job. So it's like you know, in between tours, he would still work there. And so like, yeah, it's cool. And it's like, I think that idea of people being rooted in the real world create art in a way. Because I think that the moment that, you know, you become so removed from reality where you're just, you know, touring 340 days out of the year and like, that's, that's a different world. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm sure like with the amount of touring that you've done, you feel really strange kind of transitioning back into real life in a way, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It's hard. It's like the first two weeks back at work are dreadful. Like I just started last week. It was my first week back since uh, the headliner. Right. To be recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be my life the whole summer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's okay. Yeah, I can't complain. I got, I got a job, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. And I, I think it does. Like I said, I think there's something to be said about, you know, just kind of being involved in the life outside of the band definitely can help create art in places that you might not ever expect it to, you know? Well, I don't get really much inspiration from the office. But... <laughs> You'd probably be surprised, man. I get my inspiration on the weekend. <laughs> I'm, a weekend I'm a weekend inspiration guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's when you drive out to your uh, cabin in the woods and look at the lake and be super reflective about your previous relationships, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because every song you write is about a girl, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Everyone thinks they're about, it's not all about girls. That's what, uh, it's the safest thing to presume. No, it is. And I guess it kind of is, it's hidden, like, what it's really about for my own sake, you know? Yeah. The things are about, but... Do you, do you ever feel like you have to be, uh, I guess, overly cryptic in case uh, there are people that obviously, you know... The... No, I, I I do, yeah, I can't get, I can't make it a dead giveaway cause for some people to hear. Right. Or, like, crush them. Sure. But, <laughs> I'd say on, on the braid split, oh. that was pretty brutal of me. Cause that... I kind of regret it now. I, was, I think it's kind of mean. One of the songs off the braid split was definitely kind of got back to you, so to speak. No, I de- definitely was contacted about Jay, but she didn't take it. So she didn't take it that bad. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just like, she heard it, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's. I mean, that's. I I, I didn't even really think about the, that day happening. I just kind of went with what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. But you know, what's done is done. Well, yeah. And I like I like that song. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You're like, every, <laughs> it's not like you go back on everything that was said. It was just like, oh, because I mean, yeah. Sometimes you just don't. You're in the moment and you don't think about those things. And then when it does come back to you, it just you have to pause for a second. Yeah. You're reflecting. It's like that's happening currently. But like a lot of what I write about is usually on a spiritual sense. It's it's not. There's songs about girls and like relationships and stuff, but there's songs about trying to find God again or mm-hmm. or like being angry at him if he's real, like sure if you really like you know what I mean. Like there's a, there's a lot of that. It, it definitely strikes me. I mean, you definitely strike me as a person who, uh, yeah. I mean, you're you're introspective and like not in a I'm gonna just gonna look at my shoes and ponder what life means sort of way. It's like you know you're actually wanting to find some sort of 
answers from that meaning. Pers- yeah. Yeah. Purpose. For sure. I mean, and I think that's, I think everybody stumbles through that pretty much their entire lives, but you obviously are given a platform in which you can, you know, get it out there and it can be a little more cathartic for you to do that. Well, that's, that's interesting. That's cool. I I didn't, I honestly never read into your lyrics as far as being like the, uh, you know, a more sort of overarching sort of spiritualness to it. Um, Yeah, it's definitely a hint of it. Like, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I like, I don't know, like, I'm not religious anymore. Like, I haven't believed in God in years. But I want to. You're open to, you know. Yeah, you're open to the idea. Yeah, I want something to live for. Sure. But I don't have anything right now. That's like kind of yeah. It's kind of like a lot of things are like me calling out to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you looking for uh, something substantial to hold on to that you know you feel like can guide you yeah. guide you through it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's a like I was saying earlier. I mean, that's definitely a mature thought. I, I mean, I think that's definitely part of your you know early twenties where it's like you start to feel like you you have the first stages of kind of becoming an adult you feel like all these things that you knew as a teenager or late teens or early 20s and then that stuff starts to kind of change on you and i, f- I feel you i know what you're going through yeah <laughs> good you're not you're not you're not in this alone good <laughs> you got you got plenty more years to work on that <laughs> and sort of to you know wrap things up because i could probably talk to you for another seven hours if you wanted to um <laughs> there definitely is a is a concept um within the you know if of independent music of the idea of you know like selling out and obviously even though that idea has become less and less i i totally remember and i don't know why this example comes up in my head but uh, i don't know if you remember this but a couple years back um that band cartel from georgia yeah they did that uh they worked with dr pepper where they recorded that entire record yeah in a bubble yeah yeah, I watched that. Yeah. I was selling out. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, that's like the, the easiest comparison where it's like, oh yeah, you look at that and it's like, well, yeah, it's a cool experiment, but dude, fucking pretty soulless. Let it be known that I'm a fan of that band and their new record is pretty fucking good. But with that being said... Um, I love Chroma. Dude, listen to their new record. Straight up, like it has so many elements of Chroma that can make you just like, you can totally rejuvenate your faith in the band. I promise. I'll check it out. Yeah. I will. Cause I, I wrote it. I wrote them off for a long time too. That was a, that was a free plug for cartel. <laughs> you, d- don't worry. Uh, will you can go ahead and uh, send me a check. So like, does that, uh, just because you do play a style of music that obviously could sort of translate to a, uh, you know, a world where you do have to make those decisions where it's like, Oh man, like we don't want to, you know, be featured in this commercial or whatever the case may be. Um, are those conversations that you guys have preemptively or do you kind of just take it like a case by case basis where it's like, we don't feel comfortable about this tour. We don't feel comfortable about this, you know, promo experience or whatever. Yeah. We don't like to do anything we wouldn't do normally. You know, mm-hmm. um, if something gets presented to you and if anybody in the band kind of has a concern about it, you guys not immediately throw it away, but you already are pretty skeptical that you'll do it. Yeah, I mean, like, we get offered tours, and, I don't know, if we don't like the band on a tour, it doesn't matter, like, what size of the band they are, like, we don't like their music, we're not going to go watch it for two months, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, that, but there's also times... It, that's, I'm really glad you brought that up, because I, I, that was something that was on my mind with you guys, too, where, because you guys are definitely in this interesting position, there, there's a few different categories of bands as far as like the whole industry or touring world is concerned. There's the total, what I define as like the band's band. They may be am- amazing dudes, great to tour with, but they don't really draw any kids, but they're really good. Yeah. They're a really good band. Like the, the epitome of that to me was a band like, uh, from a few years ago, code seven. They were incredible, yeah. but that just, no one ever cared about what they did from a, a larger perspective. Yeah. I know. I know exactly. What you mean. Yes. Right. And so you guys, I think combine both of those worlds where it's like, you're a, you're a band's band where bands like to tour with you. Cause they like you, you're good musically, you're good dudes to tour with. But then on top of that, you actually can pull a few kids in certain cities and you know around the country so because of that you're probably going to get a lot of tours that you're just like we would never tour with this band like i mean i guess it'd be good for our quote-unquote career if we did it but we would just feel weird about it so is it mostly on the touring front that you guys have to make those really tough decisions to kind of say no even though it may make sense career-wise um we've never been like had anything like that come up i mean like we've had the big tours we've accepted like we wanted to do like circa i mean there's also great tours that we get offered that we would love to do and we can't because we're already committed to something else okay at the same time mm-hmm. oh no there's so many tours we wanted to do and we couldn't and our, our friends bands 
I'm going on it. It's awesome. You're supportive overall. You're like, good job. We couldn't do that tour, but glad you got that. No, it's awesome because our scene is like, I don't know, it's, we're the, it's like the next the next thing. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's amazing. And you definitely, fe- you definitely feel that where it's like, it really does seem like a, a swelling of bands that on the same page and like-minded but sound different you know i mean you obviously like yeah definitely definitely yeah all the bands that you've grown up with and then other bands that get included touche a lot of spew title fight like all those bands are all doing their own thing can all kind of be on the same page yeah exactly and so and you you definitely feel that yourself where it's like you you notice and it's like oh this is this is kind of a thing that's happening right now oh yeah it's i don't know it's great to see your friends do well that you like toured with like it's like you You've been there, like you played in basements with these with these guys. Mm-hmm. You played with no one there, and I was doing these bomb ass tours or bands we grew up listening to. Right, which is awesome. It's the coolest, the coolest thing I've been a part of as a human being so far. <laughs> and it's, it, I like that. I like that you have that attitude because obviously there's this weird level of sort of competitiveness that is just yeah, that yeah but with the bands that we were friends with i don't i feel like there's none of that it's all just encouraging good vibes and that's what i really everyone's good people like we don't we don't friend shitty people right i like you know it's that's good it's a good attitude to have yeah well john like i said i could talk to you for another seven hours but i'm not going to do that to you because that would just be that would be mean and punishing but we should do this more this was great though i'm i'm glad you enjoyed it i i i had a feeling you would and you were able to express yourself in non-soundbite manners. Exactly, and uh, this is this is the best interview I've ever done. You know that, that that makes my cheeks rosy. I'm embarrassed. Thank you, John. Awesome, Ray. Thank you so much. No problem, John. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. So there's John in a nutshell. What he said to me after the interview, because uh, I sent him this raw, unedited version. To me, this summarizes exactly why I do this show. I love to have the people the the interview subjects and i wouldn't even call it interview but the subjects of the podcast to come back to me and say you know that was one of the most fun interesting compelling interviews that i've ever done and that's to me that's so rewarding because essentially that's what i'm trying to do i want the person to have fun i want the person to reveal stuff about themselves that essentially pulls back the curtain of obviously whatever sort of artistic facade that a band has to put up either for their fans or whoever um or they just need to put it up because that's kind of the way the music industry works so yes needless to say john's feedback on this interview was absolutely incredible and just kind of you know really cements it home to me why this show is important to selfishly me but hopefully to the people such as yourself who are listening in your cars on your phones wherever that's the point of this I want to I want to create this time capsule. I want to create this snapshot of independent music and culture that a lot of people just don't either pay attention to, uh, don't think that there's anything of worth, whatever the case may be. Why this isn't being documented in the sort of podcast form? Because obviously there are millions of other mediums such as magazines and records and record labels that this is being, like I said, archived. But uh, I feel like this is, uh, you know, it's special. It's special to me. And I appreciate you for taking the journey with me on this. Anyways, visit propertyofzack.com. Visit 100wordspodcast.com. And until next week, be safe. And another amazing show is coming up. I'm so pumped on the guests that I have coming and the shows that I'm bringing you. So pay attention. Subscribe. That way you won't miss anything. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.